Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, there was actually a time where Hillary Clinton at least pretended to not be crazy. She actually pretended to be a normal mainstream person interested in national security, border security, um, a decent economy. Uh, why was she into those things? Because, well, that's what people really wanted, right? I mean, uh, and she was all about getting power and you got to do in America, you got to kind of in politics represent what the people want, right? And do what the people want. She was actually kind of like that unless it was a big con job and she was going to do all these crazy things. If she ever, God forbid, became president, that's what I'm kind of picking up now. That's what I'm picking up now. Doesn't care about a thing. The wind is uh, shifted. It's going crazy, crazy left, and so is she. And I think there must be some brain damage. I mean, literal brain damage. Do you remember that time she uh, got all woozy at uh, Ground Zero and couldn't get into her car? Remember, she couldn't even get in to her car. This is Trump, right? And he did an impression of her actually falling down. Remember, she's all wobbly and woozy, and they had to bring her. Uh, I don't actually think they brought her to the hospital. But but they didn't have to because that little van she's in is like a moving ambulance. It actually is shaped like an ambulance. So I think they had high-tech medical gear in there, and they brought her to, uh, was it Chelsea's house? And she was able to uh, rest and get injections and possibly CPR. Who the hell knows what? And then she's back on her feet waving. and um, But so there might be some brain damage there. Uh, also, I mean, she is forever the woman scorned right she feels so let down by democrats that they didn't cheat in 2016 for her like they did for joe biden in 2020 why didn't you do it for me now i do know this she was not shocked that she lost she wasn't shocked she actually you know they have poll numbers and then they have poll numbers and back in 2016 how did we vote the honest way in person you show up and vote if you did vote absentee you made an arrangement ahead of time to get a specific ballot for yourself. This is how I used to do it in the military. You'd have to actually mail the elections bureau, tell them you are living in, uh, where the hell was I? Pensacola, Florida, Meridian, Mississippi, on some ship somewhere, and I need a ballot. And they'd send one for you, and you'd fill it out, and you'd send it back. Uh, that's the way it should be. But now it's uh, everybody gets a ballot. <laughs> you need ballots? we got 50,000 of them right in the back. Sure, take them. Actually, go walk around in the streets with them and get people to fill them out. Get some of these migrants to fill them out, wherever the hell they're from. Um, oh, man, I'm looking at Mayor Adams on his stupid trip to Latin America. Well, actually, for him, he's having a blast. He likes vacation. He likes to travel, especially Southeast Asia for some reason. Uh... Hmm. Is he a Vietnam War buff? Hmm. I actually have been to Thailand only for about two days. Hmm. What the hell would he be doing over there? 
Likes to go there a lot. Anyway, now he's in uh, South America getting fake attention, um, talking out of both sides of his mouth. The dumb media can't figure it out that they're being played by this guy. you got to be really, really dumb to be played by a dummy. All right, we'll get back to him. Uh, where were we on Hillary? Oh, yeah, so she loses in 2016. She actually knew it was coming. They had real polls, and, um, you know, that guy Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor for Joe Biden, was actually working for Hillary at the time, and he walked into her office saying flat out, uh, we're going to lose this thing if you don't get your ass up to Wisconsin and start campaigning like crazy. And I think she had a health issue, and that's why she couldn't go. And Bill, he knew. Bill, you know, as Trump's got her, he's got his finger on the pulse, Hillary, you really got to do this, this, and this. And she was like, nope, 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 I know what to do. Um, but she knew it was going to be close. And um, she was the New York Times, everybody else. Remember those silly little charts that said there was a 95% chance that she would win. There's no way he, she could lose. Well, she knew she could lose. She conceded it like, wasn't even that late, like midnight, 1130. She knew she lost. Obama called her and said, you got to concede right now. She did. And uh, then she became an election denier, an election denier. Anyway, and why did she lose that election? A lot of reasons, a lot of reasons. Um, one of them, the deplorables. Remember, she called us a bunch of deplorables. Deplorables. Uh, what a horrible thing to say. Now, I've seen people parse those words. And she tried to say, um, you know, Trump's supporters, you know, half of them are deplorables, racists, bigots, right, and all this stuff. And they, some people say, well, if you're not a racist and a bigot, she wasn't talking about you. But we know that there aren't that many racists and bigots, right, at least then in America. The left has a lot of them now. So you can't say that half of Trump supporters are racist and bigots, right? So we were all offended, all deeply offended. That's one of the many reasons why she lost. She deserved to lose. But as you can hear now, she's not over it. And she blames us, the people, the people. It's us. We're so stupid, right? We we were somehow taken by a by a con man. Can you imagine the American people being taken by a con man? Really, aren't we smart? Now, I can actually cite one example, come to think of it, uh, Barack Obama. <laughs> we all signed up for that, right? Hope and change. And, uh, hey, look at us. Uh, we're so, no, uh, it didn't work. All he cared about was his, himself. Now he's uh, still picking out the curtains for his stupid presidential library, wherever that's going to be, Chicago, I guess. Oh, yeah, it is Chicago. They displaced all kinds of community centers and <laughs> schools so he could build that monument to himself. Mansions all over the world. Is he out there talking about children getting involved in drugs or children resorting to crime and shooting each other? No. Where is he on all these big issues? Every now and then he'll lob a tweet. I've seen that. He's too busy making money. He's too busy partying with Bono and Steven Spielberg and the rest. Actually, I don't know about Bono, but I do know Steven Spielberg, who doesn't make movies anymore, uh, was with Michelle Obama on a boat in Mallorca. I've never been able to figure out where Mallorca is, but I'm told it's very, very glamorous. might have something to do with Spain, but I'm not sure. Um, all right. Oh, so here she is with Christian Amanpour. Remember that elitist weirdo? She's still on CNN. And the only thing she's got going for her is um, the way she talks, right, the, the accent. 
uh, in the semi-exotic name. So the problem is us, right? We, uh, oh, a cult leader. Listen to what she says about Trump supporters and what should happen to them next. CNN, last night, cut 23. Go, please. There wasn't this little tail of extremism waving, you know, wagging the dog of the uh, Republican Party as it is today. Mm-hmm. And sadly, so many of those extremists, those mega extremists, um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has no credibility left by any measure. He's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members, but something needs to happen. And how do you do that? Because you said you have to defeat them by defeating their leader. Their leader is Donald Trump. Even you have said that you expect him to be the Republican nominee. How does this change at all? At this point, I think, sadly, he will still likely be the nominee, and we have to defeat him. And we have to defeat those who are the election deniers, as we did in 2020 and 2022. All right, stop right there. Um, and right. we have... So she backs off. She doesn't back off. She just doesn't talk about the deprogramming of the supporters, like me, like you. Now, she did say extreme. Am I extreme? I am an extreme supporter of the Constitution. I am an extreme supporter of borders. I am an extreme supporter of not getting into foreign wars and not winning them. Sometimes you got to get into a war. It's got to be the last possible resort. But you don't get into silly wars and don't win them. Uh, let's see. Less regulation. I like that. You want to call that extreme? These are not extreme principles. You want to call us extremists. Okay. Uh, what, what, what in there sounds extreme? You know, it is extreme having no border, uh, uh, funding a foreign war. Uh, both sides are deeply corrupt. I think that's a little bit crazy at this point. Drag queens showing up in the school, right, and reading to kids. These are some of the things that we don't like. We like the Constitution. We want to be left alone. We want voter ID. They say that's an extreme position, voter ID. But what she said there, that we need to be deprogrammed, and it was a formal deprogramming system, formal deprogramming from a cult. You know, cults, what do cults make you do? They make you... uh well, sometimes they make you kill people, a la Charles Manson, kill other people. Sometimes a cult has been known to make you kill yourself, a la Jim Jones. Remember that guy? Uh, Guyana in the late 70s. Man, that was crazy. I remember that. I was in fourth grade. Had everybody drink this, the, the, the poison Kool-Aid. David Koresh. Now, I don't know if I put him in this category. I, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about what the hell happened at Waco. Do you at this point? I do know this. Uh, the FBI totally screwed that up. They beyond, beyond. They went in with a tank in the middle of the day. Now, even I know that. And I, <laughs> a tank in the middle of the day. You hit people at 430 in the morning. You know, they have figured out in law enforcement circles that like, uh, actually, I think it's like 5.03. 5.03 in the morning, 99.8% of the population is asleep. You know, everybody says, I only get four hours of sleep. That's nah, usually not true. I mean, it just everybody boasts about working so hard. You go in in the morning, very early in the morning. Uh, they went in like you know at, at lunchtime with a tank and were surprised when the place burned down to the ground. Um. 
what else? I mean, that's just an offensive thing. Depro- it's a dangerous thing. Talk about dangerous. What's Donald Trump talking about? Hmm? What is he asking us to do? Okay, I've actually never heard him say, give money, give me money. Political fundraising is kind of a fact of life, right? I don't know of anybody who's going bankrupt giving money to Trump. Do you? Seriously? No, that's not happening. Uh, what's extreme here? Anybody who doesn't like Trump, and if you have a relative who doesn't like Trump, and I actually don't like to argue with him, and uh, some people are just turned off by his demeanor. They don't like it. I think it's great. I think it's refreshing. I think it's genius, actually, and I love the policies. But there are people out there who they just they are convinced he's a menace. And I, and the, I do actually understand why, because the fake news tells them that all day long, all day long. And we have to address that in a big way. The current media environment is not sufficient to counter the fake news. They are moving. We are moving. What's the word? Inexorably to the left. Inexorably. Just like it's happening and without reversal. It's just it's slowly. It's happening more and more and more. And there's no reversing it. So you got to get them to watch the Donald Trump 2020 speech July 4th at um, Mount Rushmore. An amazing thing. As we go to break, Hillary Clinton, how dare you? What happened to you? I remember. I guess you were fooling us. Remember, she ran for Senate. She won. She, I mean, she was actually not crazy for one brief shining moment. And look at what be, look at what has become of her. One more time with that cut twenty three. There wasn't this little tail of extremism waving, you know, wagging the dog of the uh, Republican Party as it is today. Mm-hmm. And sadly, so many of those extremists, those mega extremists, um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has no credibility left by any measure. He's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members, but something needs to happen. And how do you? Wow. I mean, Jesus. (laughs) And it's actually not funny. They're serious about this stuff. If they win authoritarianism, their authoritarian desires, we're already seeing, we're already seeing it. It will be unleashed and America may be gone forever. Be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I'll get to the Biden wall stuff in a little bit. Hilarious and also sad and uh, very craven. All right, more on that. Uh, Jim Jordan is our guy for speaker. Does anybody disagree? I would love to see Jim Jordan do this thing. Jim Jordan, Republican of Ohio, great guy, uh, great legislator, uh, real master at cross-examination at the Judiciary Committee and elsewhere. You've seen him before, right? He's the um, he he's usually wears no jacket. I think he's going to have to put on a jacket. He's usually in shirt sleeves, shirt sleeves and a tie, uh, like nobody else does that but him. He'll have to put on a jacket probably if he's speaker. Um, the other guy, who's the other guy who's opposing him? Oh, Scalise, Scalise, very good guy, but a little bit. He's not feeling that well. I think he has actually cancer, and that's that's well, might hold him back. Um, what else do you want? Now, Jim Jordan is a career politician, but he's one of the few that I, I really like. And I think he's in it for all the right reasons. So that could happen. Uh, it's going to happen next week. 
And there's nothing chaotic about the situation on Capitol Hill, right? There's nothing wrong, all right? We know chaos, right? We know Black Lives Matter, summer 2020. That's chaos. A couple of guys uh, having a meeting and voting and adjourning and then coming back in two days to vote again. That's not chaos. It's just not chaos. BLM, chaos. Uh, parliamentary procedure in Washington, D.C. on a Tuesday, not chaos. And... um uh, I know Kevin is gone, and that's supposed to be the biggest history in the world. It's not. I don't think it's a big deal. Do you? Seriously, right? Who was the speaker before Kevin McCarthy? Nobody knows. Uh, actually, I don't know. Oh, Pelosi, of course. <laughs> of course. All right. Should I do this thing about the Karen? I hate saying Karen, but it's shorthand. Uh, what's her name again? Brianna Pinnix. Brianna Pinnix, wherever you are, I am on your side. You didn't do anything wrong. I mean, it wasn't perfect what you did the other night on the train, but things happen. People drink in America. It does happen. People overdrink, overdo it, and often people will make mistakes. I urge you not to do that, not to drink. I don't drink. I used to drink. Life is so much better sober. No matter what the occasion, I'm having a better time than uh, than when I was drinking. So you heard about it, right? The train Karen goes nuts and everybody has fun. Oh, she said something horrible. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, let's go online and talk about her. Let's go online and find out everything we can about her. Oh, she works for a firm called, what is it, Capital RX. Let's pressure her to get fired by Capital RX. Capital RX gets wind of it eight seconds later. What do they do? Fire her, all right? And issue an over-the-top groveling statement to the public, to the mob. We here at Capital RX are outraged by our former employees' behavior. This is not in keeping with the values of Capital RX. And what, does nobody at Capital RX ever drink a little bit too much? She wasn't wearing a Capital RX hoodie or hat or fleece or sweatpants or yoga pants or anything. All right? Your firm, and what the hell is your firm? What is it? It's a, I forgot, it's a PBM or an MBP. It's some sort of weird thing I never knew about. It's like the middleman between the, it's actually called Capital RX, and I think it's a startup. And they put out the most idiotic statement that will possibly ruin or at least really set her back a bit. And what I... What I'm up to is pretty good. Stay with me. More. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, I want to find out about this uh, this whole thing. I think Biden is lying again, saying that he has to spend, he has to go with the wall. I want to know really what's happening. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. I've got grave doubts. Uh, so, all right, Barbara, you've been, uh, we usually don't take your call this early. We'd love to end the show with you, uh, because you always leave us with something so profound and powerful. It's a great way to wrap things up, but I understand you have a doctor's appointment. 
Yes, I do. I do. As a matter, how inconvenient! I'll have to ask my doctor to please schedule me at different times from now on. Yeah, please. All right, come on. Yeah, I'm only kidding. Uh, Your health is obviously the most important. So, uh, so what do you got on your mind? Well, (laughs) I talked to you last week about the duck test of how we recognize something because if it acts like a duck and quacks like a duck, it is a duck. And then you showed Speaker McCarthy talking about his disappointment with Nancy Pelosi for not keeping her word to him. Well, hey, Speaker McCarthy, did you ever hear of the duck test? Or did you ever hear of Maya Angelou's uh, comment about when someone tells you who they are, believe them the first time? Yeah, I know that Maya, he was really a dunce politically, uh, Kevin McCarthy. You know, really a dunce. I mean... Hey, I do believe in second chances. You know, Maya Angelou, um, may she rest in peace. Uh, people love throwing that name around. You know, I mean, I know that quote. I know uh, some other. No, that's pretty much all I know. <laughs> uh, she was, as far as poets go, she was up there. Uh, but people can change, you know. People can change. That was a fancy way of, you know, first impressions are lasting impressions. So, yeah, he was a real babe in the woods, uh, Kevin. You would think a guy who gets that job, who's been in politics since the age of 20. You see how he lied? Did you see that? I put out some information the other day. He said, I didn't get an internship, but I managed to get elected to that seat in the House of Representatives. I tried to get a seat in the House. I, I, I wanted an internship, and they wouldn't give it to me, but I got elected. He leaves out the part where he was like a legislative assistant for 15 years. His first job out of college was that, and he gets that, uh, it, and he's appointed, he becomes the next congressman. Kind of an easy thing to do. It's a way a lot of these guys do it. I'm sorry, Barbara, anything else? That's really good. He would call that manipulating or massaging the truth. Yeah, one other thing I wanted to share with you. When I was reading more about Abraham Lincoln the past week or two, he said at one point something that fits with what we went through with Black Lives Matters and Antifa and the horrible riots, he said, there is no grievance that is a fit object of redress by mob law. All right. Uh, that one is not suitable for a bumper sticker. I like give me liberty or give me death. Uh, <laughs> that one doesn't roll off the tongue. It's not the most powerful thing he's ever said, but... But we love Abraham Lincoln, and we love you, Barbara. Thank you very much. Good luck at the doctor. Hey, do me a favor. Here's Joe Biden. Is this double talk or what? The border wall, which he campaigned against. We don't have walls in this country. And now he's uh, he's building the wall. He's, he wants to big, build a big chunk of it with federal money. But, well, what does this mean? Cut three, please. Cut three. One question on the border wall. The border wall, the money was appropriated for the border wall. I tried to get them to reappropriate, to redirect that money. They didn't. They wouldn't. And in the meantime, there's nothing under the law other than they have to use the money for what was appropriate. I can't stop that. Uh, Something is really weird here. And listen to uh, what he said during the campaign. Cut four. No, there will not be another foot of wall constructed on my administration. Number one. All right. Number, I don't know what number two was. Hey, so uh, what do we think of this? And I, I obvious flip-flop, or is there more to it? Congressman Pete King, uh, great guy, retired from Congress. And, uh, sir, you were there for many, many years. How are you, first of all? 
First, I'm doing great, Greg. I'm doing great now. How are you and your father doing and your mother? We are wonderful. Thank you very much for asking. So uh, it looks to me like Joe is lying, but is there something to what he's saying here? Uh, What's happening? Uh, First of all, it's total hypocrisy. Secondly, uh, when he was running in 2020, he knew what the conditions were because this money that he's talking about was appropriated back in 2019. He knew the money was there, and he said he was not going to allow $1 to be spent constructing the wall. So he was aware of it then. Or he should have been aware of it then. Secondly, he uh, uh, has been in office now for almost three years, and he didn't construct anything at all with the walls. Like he made a point his first and second day in office to say he wasn't going to do it again. And uh, there's no way you can force a president to do something like this. For instance, the courts have told him that he can't be doing his student debt relief. He tries to find a way around that. You could, He could definitely... Uh, have held on this. Let let the Republicans sue him in court. No, this is a total hypocrisy on his part. And they didn't get their act together. Because before the president made his statement, Mayorkas was being honest. He was saying the situation of the border was out of control. They had to do this to get control of the border. That's the reason it was done. And then when uh, Biden started getting flack from the left wing of his party, then he came up with the story, well, I had to do it. He didn't have to do it. There's any number of ways he could have avoided that. He could have pushed it off. He could have just denied it altogether. And uh, so this was uh, he's trying to have it both ways. He's trying to appeal to some of the moderate Democrats in uh, you know cities like uh, Chicago and uh, New York, even though I don't consider certainly Chicago not to be a moderate. But, you know, Democratic people, Democratic voters in these cities and uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, that uh, uh, he's doing something. And at the same time, meanwhile, he can tell the AOCs in the world that, I, you know, I didn't want to do it, but I have to do it. I mean, this is a. Uh, uh, if what he was saying, if he thinks it's really true, then what a poor leader he is, that he suddenly, after three years, realizes he has to spend money for something that he's totally opposed to. So, no, this is hypocrisy and it's untrue. Hypocr- it, it, so it's it, when he says, I tried to get it out of the budget, but it's in there and it has to be spent in this way, that is a flat-out lie, correct? From all that I know, yes. To me, uh, the powers of the presidency... I'm not aware of him ever trying to get it out or making any concerted effort to get it out. Listen, he's a guy who controls both houses of Congress. He's a guy who uh, made a campaign pledge that he wasn't going to build a foot of wall. He didn't do it for three years, and suddenly, when the situation is out of control, and it's, well, it's been out of control for a while, but increasingly out of control, storming across the border, raging, storming into uh, uh, Democratic cities, Democratic politicians are in a panic. And then suddenly he says, I have to do this. He doesn't. No, it's untrue. Wow. Uh, you mentioned Mayorkas. Here he is. Uh, yeah, they put out, I think, a written statement saying, uh, yeah, we're going forward with the wall. It's great. And uh, and then after Biden said what he said, listen to this. Cut 12, please. DHS, Department of Homeland Security Secretary. Very weird guy. Bulgy eyes. Always freaked out. Um, uh, Mayorkas. Cut 12. I want to address today's reporting relating to a border wall and be absolutely clear. There is no new administration policy with respect to the border wall. Allow me to repeat that. There is no new administration policy with respect to the border wall. From day one, this administration has made clear that a border wall is not the answer. That remains our position and our position has never wavered. The language in the Federal Register notice is being taken out of context, and it does not signify 
any change in policy whatsoever. All right. Uh, <laughs> that's a serious spin job. Uh, you can call it a policy. You can call it whatever you want. You can cite the federal registry, registrar. But that ball is that wall. Construction will con- will, will will resume. There's no getting around that, right? What was he doing right there? He, he, just what he said, he was doing it. They are you know, continuing the uh, constructions. And so now he's saying they're not continuing it on their own. I guess they're being forced to do it. I don't know what they're trying to say. They're trying to have it both ways. I mean, uh, unless he, unless they are definitely backing off. I mean, who knows with Biden? I mean, I think when Mayor, in fairness to Mayorkas, I hate to be fair to him, he did the right thing the night before, the day before, when he came to the realization, political realization, the legal uh, uh, realization that as uh, Homeland Security Secretary, he had to do more to fortify the border, to secure the border. So he did the right thing. And I'm sure he did that in, in uh, conjunction with you know, the Biden people. But then when they started to get flacked, yeah. then Biden walked away from it. And it was my orcas hanging out there by himself. Huh. Well, hey, when you were a congressman and you live on Long Island, uh, you probably took a lot of Amtrak. And uh, halfway between D.C. and uh, New York is is Delaware, and Joe Biden famously rode the train. I don't think he rode it all the way to the moon like he was bragging about, but he was on the train, I guess. And you also were, you know, in Congress at the same time. Tell us about your experiences with him one-on-one. What What is he like? Actually, on Amtrak, I only saw him a few times. I got to know him uh, somewhat. The first time I met him was in uh, uh, my third month in Congress. The, the war was going on in the Balkans. And I think I was in Croatia. It was in Croatia. Yeah, I guess it was Croatia. And uh, I was with uh, two other members of Congress, and there was Joe Biden was down in the lobby. He came over, introduced himself, and uh, acting as if we'd been longtime, lifelong friends. And he went on about how important it was we had to stand against Serbia. I mean, it's his whole speech. And then when he came up in Congress a month later, he voted the opposite way. I mean, nobody really asked him. He came over to us and gave us his whole, his whole speech. And then, uh, again, the following month in uh, in the Senate, he, he did the complete opposite. Uh, <laughs> I, I would see him over the years. I mean, he was an actually easy guy to get along with. He was at Aldermato's wedding. I saw him there. Uh, and I'd see him on different Irish events. And he would uh, uh, he always have the same joke. Ah, oh, your Irish grandfather. Father must be turning over in his grave, seeing that you're a you know, Republican instead of a Democrat. And he'd laugh. It was, uh, I mean, his I will say, he always had, like, saying things he didn't quite understand. But he did seem sharp at the same time. His eyes looked very sharp. The Joe Biden I see now is not the Joe Biden I knew then. Yeah, that vague look he has now, confused look. In the past, he wasn't confused. He was just, just the way he was. He was uh, you know, saying things that maybe he shouldn't have said. But he did know who you were. He did know what, he did know what was going on. Uh, so now he still has some of the goofiness of the past, <laughs> but none of the, you know, none of the depth, none of the perception. And uh, also, I guess another thing that struck me about him, is that uh, people in politics, uh, it's uh, naturally you have respect for the office of president. So whether it was uh, Nixon with Eisenhower or whether it was, uh, 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 let's see, with uh, Obama and Gore. Yeah, but Clinton and Gore. Uh, uh, Gore would always say, you know, President Clinton, President Clinton. Uh, Dick Cheney would always say President Bush. Joe Biden, when he'd be speaking at an event, was always talking about his buddy Barack, Barack, Barack. He never called him president or Mr. President. And, and maybe it's a small thing, but it struck me as being unusual because I never heard a vice president talk about a president in public that way. It was always uh, almost incumbent upon the vice president to show that respect for the president. 
Uh, uh, he, I just wanted to show yeah. that he was he was on the same level as Barack. No, I get it. Well, he thought he was better than Barack, actually, in some ways. Like, And, you know, it's pretty weird. Joe Biden gets to the Senate in 1973, and uh, that in, that in 1973, Barack Obama was 11 years old. No, 12 years old. 12, you know what I mean? That, yeah. that had to kind of ruffle his feathers on some level. And he's the running mate to Barack Obama, who got there four years earlier. It's pretty insane. Um, by the way, when you know, Biden, Biden was in the, in the Senate, what, 30 something years before he got it, 40 years, I guess. Yeah. And Barack years. Obama, 35 for, years, got yeah. it in four years. Yeah. Did you, and I guess you saw Obama when he was in the Senate and you were in the, uh, the house, right? That happened too, once or twice? Yeah, it did. Uh, I, I really only met him once when he was in the Senate. And it was interesting. It was late, late afternoon and the sun was shining and, and you, know, you know, through the window in the, uh, first floor of the Capitol. I'm walking along. And Jesse Jackson Jr. There was a congressman, and he's walking along with the skinny guy. This is before Jesse says, Jackson Jr. went to jail. By the way, he yes, went to federal is, prison for is, accepting yeah. all kinds of weird, yeah. all kinds of weird stuff. But keep going, sir. Yeah. So anyway, he's walking toward me with this tall, skinny guy with him, and he said, "Well, he made a good friend of mine. He's going to be running for the Senate." Uh, and he gave the name, which was a strange-sounding name, and uh, he didn't seem to have a very strong handshake. I said, "Okay, fine. You know, good to meet you." So it shows what a poor talent scout I am. I, I spent like. Two seconds talking to Barack Obama. But I did see him uh, a number of times when he was president. He's very, uh, very cold. Yeah, uh, cold. Hey, you know what? A weak handshake. Well, nobody shakes hands anymore. Even I fist bump. But a weak handshake is usually a giveaway. You know, there's not always, yeah. but sometimes something is up. Hey, Mr. Congressman, Congressman King, uh, we so appreciate your expert uh, tease. And uh, gosh, these stories are great. Uh, let's do it more often. Thank you very much. Okay. Okay, Greg, you got it. Thanks. Thank Bye. you, sir. And uh, we will be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. Another headline here. Surge in book bans taking over U.S. public schools. CNN is on it. They call their special series Censorship in America. Uh, and they got this. Uh, let's see here. David Baldacci. Author who opposes book bans. I've seen that name a bunch of times. David Baldacci. You see it in the airport. I never pick up that stuff, but, uh, and he's saying, uh, yeah, this is wrong. And you know what they're not doing? They're not telling you what books they have actually not banned. They just say they're not appropriate for the elementary school or middle school or high school library. Fair enough. Uh, gender queer is the big book that's banned. They never talk about this. They never show you the pictures inside gender queer. This is the hot button book. This is the book. Lawn Boy is another one. They've never heard of a G rated movie or an R rated movie or an X rated movie or an NC 17 movie, PG 13 movie, right? These are, we have those parental guidance. Yeah. That, that's what we're talking about. Age appropriate material. Uh, you don't put Penthouse Magazine next to National Geographic in the middle school library, right? Fair enough, fair enough. Except everything is upside down. And as that viewer said yesterday, you turn everything upside down, the bottom crap goes to the top. And that's what we're seeing in every aspect of our society. Every aspect. And these guys, like David Baldacci, who was actually, I, I think he's a very successful author. I remember seeing that name in the 90s. So let's pretend that he's... Many million, many millions in the bank. I'm sure. Can you check me on that? B a l d a c c i, best-selling author, fiction. He does novels. 
what the elites do, especially the rich elites. They just change their, they just want to keep, they want to thrive in the new environment. They just want to, they don't want any problems. They just want to keep their money power status. So they'll adopt to all this crazy crap because they've already made their money and they want to just maintain what they got, their status. Uh, the rest of us who are still kind of working our way through this thing called life, <laughs> and it really affects us. And when an employer says, uh, oh, what you did on the train Saturday night, that was horrible, and we object to you and your uh, your views and everything about you is wrong, and we are going to uh, terminate you so the mob doesn't give us a hard time. Yeah, capital RX. I'll get back to those guys in a little bit. All right, so, um, yeah, no more uh, perverted material in middle schools. You can read perverted material if you like, and maybe maybe some of that stuff isn't even perverted. Right? There's adult material that I don't think you would necessarily say is perverted. And you can look at that once you're uh, 18 years old or up. It's bad enough we got the Internet in every kid's pocket in the world. Uh, Tony, hello. Hi, Greg Kelly. Just so much going on, but I want to tell you one thing. My orcas, when he worked for President Clinton, they pardoned a big drug. He was a U.S. attorney. They pardoned a big drug trafficker. So drugs don't really mean much to that man. That's just one thing about him. On Hillary, Hillary, when she talks about deprogramming America, what she really means is what's already happening now, it's going to be an official program. So she's, what they're going to be doing is literally shutting everybody down. If you think of the movie The Sleeper with Woody Allen, anyone who doesn't act right will be put through a program. And 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 then they'll try to reacclimate you to the democratic way. That's what she's thinking of, and it's already sorted. Mm. I mean, when you talk about wait um, a second, how does it have to do with the movie Sleeper? I vaguely remember. Yeah, he go he wakes up in the future, right? He's the rebel, you know. And the government it's actually it takes place in the USA. The government is in the future, right? In the future, anyone who yes, it's he wakes up. From a operation 300 years in the future, and, and it's, he's the rebel. All right, and it's funny. It is funny. So what Hillary's doing isn't funny, and I really would have cracked up if her husband, uh, Bill Clinton, would have mentioned that in his conversation with John Casamitidis on Sunday. That, mention I mean, what? He, mention what? That the, she's not funny? The, no, the deprogramming that his wife is talking about. Well, he didn't bring that up. Bill Clinton the, is not crazy. He's not like that. He's not. He's... He kind of gets it in his own way. You know what I mean? I mean, you look well, back, you look at the presidency of Bill Clinton. It was like it was centrist. It was like almost light Republican compared to where we are now. You know, you, you know that, right? Policy wise. He was easy, easy policy wise and he seemed normal. I, I always felt him an easy guy to listen to. I voted for him. But that doesn't mean he wasn't dangerous. Greg. Dangerous. dangerous. I don't know. I mean, dangerous. Look, I uh, that whole thing about all these people dying and all that stuff. And did they have them killed? I don't. I don't believe that. I, I actually don't believe that. But um, look, Bill, I like I like uh, Hillary and that comment. That is a dangerous comment and a dangerous direction. So, uh, Tony, you may be right. Thank you very much. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hello. Um, yeah, Steve Scalise versus Jim Jordan. Who's going to win? Well, he's got the backing of President Trump. Jim Jordan does. 
And uh, he's very, very serious about this. I have to do this really quick. All right. Um, I'm sorry, but almost worse than the uh, the woke leftist media are woke and weak corporations, weak and woke corporations. So many of them, so many of them will throw their employees under the bus at the moment that a person most needs a job, actually. <laughs> um, so scared of the Twitter mob, the Twitter mob. Just do whatever the Twitter mob wants in the moment. You bozos need to just understand. I'm talking to the corporate chieftains out there at uh, Capital RX. Maybe if you just put your head down and waited five minutes, the whole damn thing would have blown over. But no, you want to get in on it for some reason. You're just so terrified. Somebody might be, I don't know. Might start snooping around the uh, Capital RX to find out what all you guys are about. All right, why do I bring them up? Because, uh, well, they're now ex-employee, a woman named Brianna Pinnix. Well, she had a rough night uh, a couple of, when was this, uh, Sunday night? Um, right after the Jets and Chiefs lost, right? That was a home game. She was coming from the game with their boyfriend. Probably had a few beers or something, all right? She was under the influence. And she got into an argument with somebody. All right. Well, wait a second. It was racist. No, it wasn't racist. Okay. You can get an art. You can get it to believe it or not. Some things that happen, there are some conflicts that are not race based. So that's arguing with a bunch of uh, German tourists. Now we don't have the whole picture here. We have it. It starts mid argument. The German tourists, she says, said something to her vulgar. We don't know. Was it sexist? Was it misogynistic? Was it, uh, who knows? Did she just make it up? I don't think so. I think something was said and we didn't see it. So let's go. Uh, because this train Karen story, it's already kind of dying down. I told you that Hindu times and Japan and the whole damn word world talking about it for about six hours and potentially it affects Miss Pinnix for the rest of her life. Does she really deserve this? Have you ever been in an argument? Hmm? I've had bad days. I've had arguments. Cut 18, please. Go. There you go. Okay. What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Something was said. How is this global information? Why does her employer give a damn? Are all your employees perfect? Are they just sitting at home watching uh, big tech approved content? <laughs> we got to live our lives. And you know what? It's a little bit, it's a little bit rough out there. We want to be comfortable. We stay in bed, but we got to live our lives, right? Oh, she brings up the word immigrant. That must mean she's a racist. No, it doesn't actually. That must mean she's a xenophobe. No, it doesn't actually. Cut 19. Free, you got this, you're going to get arrested. I can, I can handle my own. Free? 23. What? What? What is it? Free, please stop this. Free, stop this or I'm, I'm never going to talk to them. All right, so her boyfriend, by the way, is trying to calm the situation down. Trying to calm uh, uh, Brianna down. Bree. So what? It's a squabble at this point. But she's about to say something unforgivable in today's environment. This is on a train. It's late at night. People are drinking. I've seen that before. I've also seen men 
make unfortunate comments to women. I've seen that. I have seen that. I think I, I'm trying to think back. Have I ever done that? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I don't think, I don't think so. Certainly not with one in the room. Elsewhere, locker room talk, maybe. All right, so this is where it gets allegedly ugly. All right, now these guys just made fun of her. They did something that made her angry. I don't think this is out of thin air. Cut 19. Oh, sorry, wait a second. Let's go to the conclusion with cut 20. She said, why don't you go get out of our country? All right. She said it to a bunch of German tourists uh, who just said something ugly to her. Is that the worst thing? They're going back to Germany eventually. You know, why don't you leave? I don't think that's xenophobic. That's not anti-German. It's just it's funny. If she said, go to hell, go to eternal damnation, that's perfectly acceptable. Go back to your country of residence. That's horrible. I just, I don't think it's that horrible. I just don't think it's that horrible. I, she says the word immigrant once or twice. You don't know exactly what came before it or after it. You know, we are having something of a migrant crisis right now in America. We are. It's top of mind. It is a little bit top of mind. It ain't going well. She's not a talk show host. She's not a politician. You know, she didn't get a bunch of people to vote for her and the standards aren't like she must act this way all the time. Perfect. So. Everybody goes bananas, scouring her social media profile. I guess one jerk probably emailed her company, care to comment on the situation with your racist employee? And what did they do? Um, Our company has a zero-tolerance policy around prejudicial or discriminatory behavior. After conducting a review of the circumstances, we acted immediately and terminated the employee in question. The former employee's actions and words are not representative of Capital Rx, and we offer our sincerest apologies to those who were hurt. Nobody was hurt, you moron. <laughs> this is what is expected, though. The mob, you got to do this right away. So I thought the mob is satisfied, but I am personally not. Who the hell is Capital Rx? What is it? Maybe we should start doing this, really scrutinizing the companies and the bosses who in a knee-jerk moment of who the hell knows what, is it panic, cover your ass, uh, fear of the mob? You know, just man up. This is America. This is America. Our ancestors now, what did they do? They defeated Nazis. They defeated Imperial Japan. Went to the moon. More recently, we beat ISIS. ISIS is gone. And we're going to be afraid of a bunch of jerks on Twitter. And you're going to make men, yeah, I'm going to say men who run that company, Capital Rx, quiver. Ooh, people might start asking questions about what the hell it is we do around here. Well, that's the first question I asked, actually. What the hell is Capital Rx? It is a pharmacy benefit manager. What the hell is that? Uh, it's a good question. Have you ever heard of one of those? Somehow they got in the business. They get between the drugstore and the manufacturer, like Pfizer and the pharmacy. And they're in the middle and they uh, somehow get a cut of everything. I, I don't understand how they work. And I'm not the only one. 
So I followed one of these uh, executives online, when, did a little did a little scouring myself and found out that uh, he testified in front of Congress, the U.S. Senate Finance Committee, a few months ago. Nobody could really figure out what these people do. I mean, Democrat and Republican alike. Let's see here. Here's Marsha Blackburn. She's a Republican from Tennessee talking to a panel that includes uh, one of the bosses from Capital RX. Let's go with, yeah, cut 22, please. Constantly hear from Tennesseans um, how frustrated they are with the PBMs. You know, in in all transparency, I would do away with the PBMs. I think they're unnecessary. And when patients are being steered... When patients are not able to reap the benefit of that that uh, reduced price and they continue to pay higher prices, it is something that is very difficult. Well, that sounds pretty bad to me. PBM's getting in the way. Totally unnecessary, according to Marsha Blackburn, Republican of Tennessee. So the guy they were talking to was uh, the president of Capital Rx, at least at the time. His name is uh, Matt Gibbs. I don't know if he personally had anything to do with getting rid of um, Brianna Pinnix. Let's see here. Oh, and Democrats are very skeptical of these PBMs, pharmacy-based managers, of which Capital Rx, located here in Manhattan, oh, by the way, is one. Uh, let's see. Ron Wyden, he's a real big liberal from Oregon. He's got doubts about PBMs. Cut 21, please. I want to illustrate just one example of PBM practices that's resulting in high prices. In a competitive market, if two products have equal quality, a business should prefer the lower cost option. However, oftentimes PBMs charge administrative fees to drug makers, which are calculated as a percentage of a drug list price. That means PBMs get a higher payment if they favor higher cost drugs. In my view, that's a clear example of these bizarre, these perverse incentives that PBMs have created that has left so many Americans fed up and outraged at the health care system. Yeah, but you know what they're doing? They're diverting our outrage. <laughs> the mob is, oh, we're going to focus on this poor Brianna Pinnix, who's drunk one night and maybe got, got a little bit out of hand. Nobody was hurt. So uh, these things sound pretty awful to me, PBMs. What's it called again? Pharmacy benefit managers. Why the hell is the world so complicated, right? Why do you need these people? Capital RX. So, and you know, we have this crisis in America. People, fentanyl, got alcoholism all over the place. We got people who are really suffering because our society is now godless. And, uh, well, a lot of people want it to be godless. God is everywhere, but we are turning our back to him and, uh, it's the woke mob and that ideology. But we, we know people are dying. Hell, Kevin McCarthy said the other day, two plane loads of passengers are dying every day in America from fentanyl. And we have the utmost, you know, sympathy and that's got to be stopped and turned around. We see a person who might be under the influence of drugs. She says something not great. Fire her ass. What about forgiveness? What about, uh, oh, my gosh, what about working with her? What about making it not such a big deal? No. Fire her. Cancel her. Well, what about Hunter Biden? Don't you dare talk about him. 
he has an addiction and his father loves him. Okay, but does that mean he can um, hook up with his sister-in-law? Uh, the fake news. Does that mean Hunter Biden can uh, sell out his country and take millions of dollars from Kazakhstan and Romania and Ukraine and China and who the hell knows where else? Uh, does that mean he gets paid cr- money for those crummy paintings? You see how this works? How dare you? T- he has a substance abuse problem. Joe Biden can look at a black man and challenge him and say, if you don't vote for me, then you ain't black. One of the most pure racist comments you could ever make. And a short time after, he's elected president. I have a huge problem with where the hell we are. And you know who's really the enforcement branch of cancel culture? Your employer. Hopefully you got a great boss. I got some great bosses, right? But most bosses out there are so afraid. They're just so afraid. And they don't know. They don't know what it's like to be. And I understand you gotta, they gotta, they gotta change the paradigm. You gotta realize this stuff dissipates. This stuff goes away. Twitter mob. I think we should reach out to Brianna Pinnix. All right. Can we do that? See if she wants to come on. P-I-N-N-I-X. Anybody knows her. Give her a break. She probably lost her boyfriend, who was very cool in the whole thing. All right. What can you do? All right. It's I, you know, I can't fight every battle. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, we are back in our crumbling city, and we go to Tim. He's calling from uh, uh, Manhattan. Hello, Tim. Hey, Mr. Kelly. Uh, I had an idea about how to stop these people from stabbing people to death. You know how in the subway they say, like, seven years felony if you assault an MTA employee? Uh, I never really noticed that sign. Okay, well, but uh, wait a, a second, wait a second. It says something on the as you get on the bus. Actually, I've noticed that, but I don't really see yeah, any employees like, down there in the subway. To be honest, I see cops every now and then, but I don't see anybody else except the guy in the, you know, the guy driving the train. And there's another guy in the middle. I guess they call them what conductors, but they're not really. Anyway, what what about it? You don't see many people, like many MTA employees, getting assaulted because there's that big, like. There's a huge incentive not to do that because you'll go to jail. But no, 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 wait, 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 wait. No, are you kidding me? Wait, you don't. They don't get assaulted because they're ensconced in those little booths for the most part. I mean, you're you're telling me a criminal sees, oh, I would get seven years in jail if I assault this guy. I better not do that. You think that's actually what deters maniacs from beating up on uh, MTA workers? Uh, yeah, because then they just assault regular old people, and then they get away I, with it. Uh, I don't think you're right about any of this, to be honest. I don't. And I don't have the numbers on MTA assaults, if they're up or they're down. Like everything else, I would imagine it's up, you know? But So you're suggesting we should put a sign everywhere? Everybody should wear a sign about w- w- the penalty for assault? No. It, and I, where is my, that my, sign? My... Hold on a second. Where is that sign? I know that little thing and the bus. I've seen that. If you and don't step in front of the line, and uh, you know, uh, you can turn in the driver this way. You can call three one one. There's a bunch of. I don't know. Where do you see this sign? Seven years if you punch out a, uh, a MTA person. 
on every bus and every train. Well, where on the train? I get on the train. It's what? It's above. It's like on the. What do you mean like above? By the ceiling. By the, Nobody by the door. By the door. I mean, people are looking at their phones. Diego, I don't. I don't think that that's a. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but you say you see it. Okay, you say I've it. seen it. I mean, I've, yeah, I glanced at one on the bus. Like I said, I've never noticed one on the subway. Maybe I did. I do remember the sign, don't pull the cord unless it's an emergency, which I'm like, I'm fascinated by that cord. Can we just pull this cord and stop the train? Why would they give passengers that capacity? I think they removed that cord, right? I don't think well, that cord is there anymore. Um, yeah, look, I don't think that works. I mean, there are signs all over the place. Uh have a nice day. Does that make you have a nice day? You think you think you, you, you think signage is gonna, is the answer to our crime problem? No, I never said putting a sign up. My idea would be since there is that sign, and you don't see many people getting assaulted on the subway. Well, like the I know, but it's workers. not because of that sign. <laughs> it's just not because of that sign. You sound like a sharp guy, but this is a crazy observation, in my opinion. Tim, thank you. I thought he was going to say something else about the guy who got stabbed, actually. A lot of people have been going through, and he was a social activist on the left and might have been a Black Lives Matter guy and might have been a defund the I'm not going to scour the guy's uh, you know, social media to, to use something against him. He's dead, and he should be alive. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, one more thing on the Karens. You know why this Karen thing started, right? Going after women who dare stand up for themselves, white women who dare stand up for themselves. We used to like that. We used to admire that. Some of them, right? You get into an argument with the wrong person and somebody has a cell phone. Oh, boy. Yeah, you're a Karen. Karen. Well, the Karen craze has only been around actually since 2016. And what happened in 2016? White women voted for Trump. And uh, the fake news and their left-wing allies, uh, well, they singled them out for ridicule and abuse. Listen to this. Listen to how mainstream media, how they refer to white women voting for Trump. Cut 17, please. Donald Trump famously won white women voters in the 2016 presidential election. Striking because that happened even with a white woman on the ballot. If I was Republican, I'd be most concerned about the, what college white women are doing in the suburbs. When you're a white woman and you're a Republican, there's just certain stuff culturally that you don't know jack bleep about. Do we think the president still has that sort of, I wouldn't call it the silent majority, but would, would we say that he still has that voting base? Or given all that's happened, I'm looking at you, suburban white women, does he still have their vote? I'm looking at you, suburban white women. Ooh, because she put you. That was Stephanie Ruler. She's on MSNBC. The most pompous, annoying, obnoxious woman on the face of the earth. That's a little much, isn't it? That's pretty harsh. That's a little much. All right. James Flippin is here. Hello. Hey, Greg, what's up? Uh, what's the latest with the guy? Bring us up to speed. What is, what's important about. It's all important. Um, you know, they caught the killer, alleged killer mm-hmm. of the man who was stabbed. I think his name was uh, Ryan Carson, 32 right. years old. What's what's ha- what's happening here? Yeah. So um, cops and, you know, prosecutors, they came to an agreement here where they're going to hold this guy without bail. They've charged him with murder. 18 uh, year old Brian Dowling, who, you know, lived about 500 feet from this crime scene and was involved in a work 
study to work program at a local school. So again, just 18 years old, this guy, Brian Dowling, it was 4 a.m. on Monday in Bedsty. Ryan Carson and his girlfriend were waiting for at a bus stop after they've been at a wedding. And it's all caught on surveillance video, kind of unclear really what exactly leads up to the attack itself, because it's kind of like far away from the camera, maybe like all the way at the end of the block. Eh, I think it's, uh, I saw it, it looked pretty clear to me, uh, that maniac kid starts knocking over uh, motorcycles and mini bikes and scooters, and this guy and his girlfriend walks up and says, yo, bro, chill. And oh. and the guy's like, what are you looking at? What are you doing? And then, and then a fight ensues. So, obviously, at that point, you know, and I'm referencing the video, you see Carson kind of backing away from this alleged individual Dowling and then gets knocked to the ground. Um, a series of stabs are uh, applied to the guy's kind of upper body and torso. And then by the end of the video, he's, you know, unconscious on the ground, having been stabbed multiple times. And obviously he died from those injuries. And now Dowling has been picked up, charged with murder. And we were talking about it before we went on the air here that he was, um, you know, tearful while being let out of the precinct yesterday. A uh, weird thing also, when they arrest him, I see on Channel 2 News, they blur his face for I some that. reason. Yeah. And now, a couple things here. He's 18. He's an adult. All right? That's in the eyes of the law. That's an adult. He's in police custody. The cops have put the cuffs on him. And they said something. I, the reporters on Channel 2 said, we are blurring his face because charges are pending, only pending. What the, I know what pending charges mean. I guess that means they haven't been filed yet. Uh, since when do we not show pictures of people in handcuffs? Yeah, what the hell is that all about? That's outrageous. I mean, I've never heard that before. I think it's a woke thing. I think it's possibly related uh, to matters of race. I don't know. It's possible. It is possible. Anything else about this? Well, you know, it's interesting in the sense that this guy, Carson, is routinely referred to as an activist in news reports. And one of the things that I'd seen is that he had a friend who passed away who had died from an opioid overdose. So he's been, you know, in life, Carson was an anti-opioid guy. He tried to work to bring awareness to the opioid crisis. But, you know, it's just, it's really sad. It, it compounds the tragedy to an extent where you see on Twitter, uh, X, I should say, that there's a lot of fights that are ensuing, kind of back and forth disputes because people say, oh, this guy was a leftist activist. And then it just so happens that he was, you know, potentially felt a certain way about like defunding the police and Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. And then he dies at the hands of a violent criminal where he probably, you know, hoped there would have been a cop nearby at that time. You know, that kind or, of stuff. Or, or not. Like he, wa- he didn't want to. Well, maybe not. Right. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I see. If his this his death was from his own agenda in a in a, in a weird way. That's sort of the way people frame right. the argument online. Well, look, people say all kinds of crap online, and they can knock themselves out. I don't, you know, I will say this: I have heard that, and I've heard in certain circles people wanting to like explore that further and mm-hmm. develop that. Number one, I don't know. I don't. I I don't know what this guy was thinking, and it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. I mean. And I'm not going to go to the trouble of hunting down his tweets and his social media presence and figuring out, oh, you see, he, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, why would I, and to hold it against him now would be kind of ludicrous and mean and unnecessary. It's just, I, I guess you could, if you want to make a point to how some, I'm not going to do that. Personally, I'm not going to do that because you actually have to take, but a lot of people who are having those fights are just, well, I heard, I heard. To the, I've been hearing it for four weeks, four days. I have yet to see a tweet where he's like, uh, 
F the police. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't seen that. Have you? No, not necessarily. I mean, again, uh, I, I think there was an interaction with an account that is purported to be his where he responded to former NYPD Commissioner Dermot Shea during the 2020 George Floyd protests, riots, whatever you want to call them, and, and said, you know, your cops are evil or something like that, or your cops are morally wrong or, you know, something along those lines. Look. I disagree with that, but I think you give a guy after he's dead, you know, a lot of space, especially if he's not a senator or anything like that. And I'll say this, the corrupt culture, the corrupt media, you know, they were uh, perpetuating that idea, right? Mm. It wasn't – this guy did not invent – this guy wasn't sitting in a room and come up with that fake idea on his own, right? It's been kind of promoted, uh, promulgated – uh, by evil people, evil, powerful people, George Soros and the rest. So rest in peace. Sorry. And, you know, the family of this uh, of the alleged killer, they're suffering. I always, quite frankly, think about I know some people get angry, but I think that's a really they're both horrible positions to be in. One, however, there's a lot of community sympathy and the other not so much the family of the killer, the Dowling family. And I hear that, you know. Good people. Nobody wants their kid to do something like this. And right. Anyway. All right. Thanks, Greg. Very uh, sobering. Yeah, that's for sure. What are you going to do this weekend? Cheer us up. Uh, let's see. I'm going to be doing some yard work. I got to pick up the leaves. That does not cheer me up. That does not cheer up. Oh, yeah. And then I will be watching the Giants probably oh, lose to man. the Dolphins. You're going to really paint the town red, aren't you? <laughs> oh, good for you. All right. Uh, let's reset here with um, uh, Dominic. He wants to say something. Hello, Dominic. Hello there. I'm a pharmacist, and I'll give you the short and simple on the PBM problem. PBM. Wait a sec. Wait a minute. The pharmacy benefit manager, and that came up because I'm mad at Capital Rx for firing that that alleged Karen. They were totally wrong. You heard my analysis, and I I granted I don't know a damn thing about it. You're the expert, Uh, but I did say a couple of things that I learned. Was I mostly right? Yes, yes. Not Good. complete, but it, uh, the, they came into play when uh, prescription drugs cost to the insurance company was ever increasing, okay, when they were dealing with inexpensive, relatively inexpensive drugs for the majority of the population 20 years ago. It was considered to be just part of doing business. Now, when they started to experiencing a higher amount of their profits, the insurance companies, that is, like, you know, an Aetna or Cigna, decided, well, you know, we've got to manage these costs. We have to manage costs. So, you know, we've got to reduce the mon- amount of money we're spending for pharmacy. Uh, all right. All right. Well, we can't do a symposium on this. So what's the bottom line? The bottom line is that they're out to save money, and they're constantly going to do things that are not beneficial to the patient the beneficial to their bottom line. Yeah, you see that, Capital Rx. But you're in with the uh, woke mob. They're giving you a pass. Well, we're not PBMs, huh? Who needs them? Hey, Dominic, uh, you're a pharmacist, right? You said? Um, Correct. Are people still bashful at this day and age? I mean, Viagra has been around for, what, like 25 years. Uh, are people bashful when they, you know, uh, get that prescription filled? Absolutely not. Hmm. Really? No. Nope. Huh. It, I, their is, wives or their girlfriends will pick it up for their for the end user. No problem. Uh, are people um, bashful about any drug ever? Uh, usually, sometimes HIV medications make them feel a little uncomfortable. This was years ago. 
but not necessarily now, but chronic contagious diseases yeah. make people feel uncomfortable. And what about why is the uh why is the uh druggist platform raised? It's always elevated it seems. Uh to keep an eye on your sticky fingers, buddy. Really? I know, but nobody yeah. else does that, only pharmacists. I mean, I've been to stores before and uh you guys are the only ones who are literally looking down on me. Us. Well, that's that's just figurative. That's not factual. What do you mean by that? I'm t- everybody goes to the drugstore and knows you guys are like six inches on a six-inch high platform. It's raised. That's absolutely true. I didn't say that. But they don't feel that they're above speaking to you, at least not at an oh, independent No, no, pharmacy. no, no. I said literally above, like literally, physically above. I didn't mean, you know, you, you know, pharmacists are always great. I always, and you can ask them for advice. No, I like pharmacists. Don't get me wrong. But they are literally above us looking down at us. That's the part I don't get. And you think it's a shoplifting thing? No, I don't know. I, I, I can tell you that in designing my last pharmacy, uh, I put it at the same level. I didn't elevate anything. Oh, all and, right. Maybe that's something that is uh, back in the mystique of uh, if the pharmacist didn't want interruptions, he wanted to separate himself from the general public so he doesn't make any mistakes. And that's the number one cause of med errors is distractions or workload, which no one cares about. And uh, well, I care, man. You guys, I care. Boy, oh, boy, you got to put the right pill in the right bottle. And I heard about a big fiasco at uh, – CVS, maybe you saw it. That lady took a, she wanted one drug and they gave her the Plan B drug. Did you hear about that? No. It happened at a CVS, I think in uh, Florida. It was terrible. She was trying to get pregnant and it uh, had the opposite effect. All right. Well, look, um, thank you very much. Uh, one other thing. I feel bashful when I go to the drugstore and I'm getting pills and I buy jelly beans or some candy, and I feel like that's beneath the pharmacist. I feel like you guys shouldn't be doing that, um, and that should be purchased like from the at the front of the store. It takes a lot. You got to be a scientist to become a pharmacist. Do you have a problem with that? Do people ever just say, "Can I buy this here"? No, I, I owned independent pharmacies, so I'm a dying breed, and that's because of the PBMs and the insurance companies and the limited margins that they will pay an independent pharmacy. And you can see that 95% of every pharmacy is owned by a chain, a Walgreens yeah. or a CVS. And the reason is is that they're the, chain, the small independents by no means can keep up with the overhead. Got it. Yeah, no, no, we know how that works. All right. I'm sorry. I, thank you, by the way. You're a total expert on this. Thank you, sir. Um, I do love to learn about people's jobs and what they do. Seriously, the ins and the outs. And uh, those weren't like silly questions, were they, uh, Diego? Not, not really. No, no, I would have asked the same questions actually. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Dominic. Um, hey, actually, this stems from yesterday. It's Friday. I like to take extra calls on Friday. Carmine, hello. I have a great boss too, so uh, that's I, I'm blessed with that. So. Um, a friend said to me that I borderline saying something something racist about the Roosevelt Field Mall yesterday. And my defense was, I didn't say anything bad about it. I didn't say it was good. I just said this is not the Roosevelt Field that we grew up with. It's, Greg, is that a bad statement? Help me out here. What happened? All I, right, wait a second. Now it's all coming back to me. You called this. You called the radio yesterday. And I think I remember you said the Roosevelt Field Mall is like the Twilight Zone, and the friend of yours gave you a hard time about that. And you're now you're calling back with an update. 
on uh, what your friend said about yesterday's phone call. That this is, is all, correct. This is a lot of minutia. This is <laughs> I, I don't know. This is a lot of minutia. I didn't see anything racist. I thought you said. Uh, I mean, well, why would he say racist? I don't think. Where the hell would he get that idea? Mm, I don't know. Were you implying that Roosevelt Field is suddenly uh, there are more black customers somehow, and you were uncomfortable with that, or was that the implication? My takeaway was. Because it's a mall and nobody goes to the mall anymore, it was just empty. And that's why you felt uncomfortable. But was there another reason why you felt uncomfortable? Be honest, Carmine. I'm going to be honest. You were off base. It had nothing to – because I like to go to the store and physically pick something up. No, you he, – he was – he was right, but I did. I did. He say was right. God wa- oh, he stop. Was right, but I did- All right, now I got to hang up on you, Carmine. You shouldn't be. <laughs> just you can't do that. Yikes! Your friend was right. You should have just called it a day. Here I am. Be all right, Carmine. I know you'll work it out. You have a week. The, the but blind you're banned was- for six months. You got to go to sensitivity training. Listen, the blind. No, was- no more racist stuff, please. All right. Thank you. And uh, look, I'm giving you a hard time, but I, I, I think the takeaway I have is an unfortunate one. And hey, sometimes we have unfortunate thoughts. You know what I mean? It's human, whatever. All right. I gotta go now, Carmine. I'll be back in a moment. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, Carmine apologizes profusely to the black community, to the white community, to the Asian community, to all the communities. All right. Once everybody apologizes. All right. So what else is going on? Hey, Dick Buckus died 80 years old. Uh, he was a great, he had a great personality. I don't really remember much about him other than, uh, he had a winning personality. I did see a really cool picture of him yesterday from like 1976. And that's like the vintage Dick Buckus. And he was in a, in an airplane and wearing great clothes and reading a magazine and, and I just realized all of that is gone. The magazine, the plane, the clothes, you know, and he, it was right there. I've had this feeling before. Um, I saw a picture of a man enjoying like a state of the art sound system in 1981 and he had a martini and he was wearing like a, a white suit with the, with the shirt over the suit lapels spread and like he looked like, you know, the man and he had this, those big reel to reel machines, you know, the tape. And all that stuff is gone. At that moment, though, he was the coolest guy in the world. And what I'm saying is all this stuff that we want, that we think we want, it's so temporary. And it may look cool now, but it's going to look ancient and silly someday. All right. I have to get ready to run. Um, Pastor Jay is in Las Vegas. You want to say something about this Brooklyn uh, situation with the stabbing? Pastor Jay at the bottom of the thing there. Hi. Are you there? Yes. Yeah, um, the NYPD is amazing on how they solved that case there. And the sad part is about that bench. If that bench wasn't there, he could have got away. But the bench isn't even a bench. It don't even have sides or a back. Well, wait a second. The bench bench has nothing to do with it. I mean, look, I love the NYPD. uh, Totally mismanaged these days, and the whole culture is after him. But this was not exactly the hardest case to solve. Uh, The guy lived basically down the block like down the block and across the street from the crime scene, uh, you saw his surveillance photo. It was like clear as day. Um, the girl who talked to the girlfriend was apparently the killer's twin, twin sister. Um, and the guy had the clothes and the knife in the house. Uh, 
I mean, there's like a blood. <laughs> you know what I mean, Pastor? I love, you know, this was just not a hard. This wasn't exactly a cold case. You know what I mean? They had a lot of evidence to find the guy. One other quick thing is I think President Trump is back in the White House because last night on the news they said they're building a wall and <laughs> deporting the illegals. <laughs> Uh, good point. Good point. Thank you, sir. Thank you. What's it like being a pastor in uh, Las Vegas? That was a weird laugh. Uh, pastor in Las um, Vegas. Thank you. I got to go now. I got to go. Um, I really do have to go. Oh, Gail's been holding for a long time. Hi, Gail. Hi. Uh, you uh, really got my blood boiling there hearing about these woke corporations. But I read an article several months ago in the Wall Street Journal, uh, BlackRock, which controls how many trillion, 10 trillion or something, Larry Fink, who wants to be a big part of the central. Yeah, he's so woke, that guy. He wants wants to go. He's threatening companies. He's threatening companies. Their stock will tank if you do not tow the, you know, our woke line because they want the Democrats in so they can be the uh, socialist crony. Yeah, I saw that uh, video kind of went viral. Uh, They have this weird DEI score that they, it's not a DEI score. It's something else, the corporate E index and they don't even care about the price of the stock. They care about that. I think the human rights can't, it's all backwards and weird. And, um, yeah, thank you, Gail. Everything else good. Great. Great to hear. Um, mm, BlackRock. They got so many rich people who work at BlackRock. I noticed that you go by the building though, BlackRock. And it says right on the outside of the building, BlackRock. I thought it would be more discreet. You know what I mean? Like tucked away in Stanford, Connecticut or something like that in some nondescript building that you see from the side of the road. But no, nope, it was BlackRock. I guess I wonder if it, maybe it wasn't the BlackRock. All right. I got to go. Uh, have a great weekend to be continued. And uh, uh, it's been fun. Thank you. <laughs>